welcome to Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Yourself. I'm your host, Sana. And today I'm joined with my dear friend who I have not spoken to in a while, Andrew. Hello, Sana. It's so nice to talk to you again. Lovely to have you here. Um, just in case, I don't know if, if you do notice, but my voice is a bit different. Uh, it's because I have a cold. and um, But that's not stopping me because I feel fine. Uh, I don't think talking is too much energy. Uh, and Andrew, you had something to share as well. <laughs> yes, I uh, had some dental surgery a couple of days ago. Half of my face is puffed up. Uh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, I can't stretch my mouth too much. So sauna, do not make me smile or laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't promise that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, this is the healing edition where we talk, we heal through our words. And the topic <laughs> of today is uh, something that Andrew and I have spoken about quite a few times. And we thought, well, what a fun idea would be to actually talk about this in a podcast. And it's manners and being considerate. And um, we don't want to sound like a hundred year old people, but we probably will. But I think it's still a good topic to look at because I personally uh, appreciate good manners. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just the way I was raised. And also I, I identify as someone who's highly sensitive. I'm a highly sensitive person. So with that said, I, the tiniest, I notice the tiniest things. This topic is really near and dear to my heart because a lot of my, uh, the, the dialogue in my mind seems to be around this issue because it's ingrained in me since childhood. So yeah. How about you, Andrew? What do you think of when you think manners? Uh, well, speaking as somebody who is 537 years old, right? Um, <laughs> yes. No, it, the truth is, I grew up. Manners were uh, instilled in us in in the house uh, as we were growing up. It's very important, and I too am very much like you. Where I notice little things, where if um, a please or a thank you isn't said, or just the, the the smallest little thing, I do notice that because maybe I'm super sensitive as well. I don't know. Uh, but manners are big to me, not just because I grew up with them, but I just think it's the right way that we treat each other. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, showing our appreciation and uh, not taking things for granted. And um, so uh, I, I agree with you. I, I find that manners are very important. And um, it seems quite a bit lacking these days. And maybe that's my 537-year-old mindset uh, talking. but. <laughs> That's the way I see it, but it is very important. I, I agree. Yeah, and when you just to clarify with the definition, I know when we say manners, we're we're saying obviously there's many definitions. I just googled it, so it's a person's outward bearing or a way of behaving towards others. So there's good manners, there's bad manners. Often we use manners interchangeably for good manners. That just seems to be in our vernacular. But just to clarify, when we are talking about manners, we're talking about that behavior someone has towards others. And we're obviously going to focus on, well, what are we seeing these days? Uh, What's the most common behaviors we're seeing and how do they compare and contrast with what we remember growing up, which was, you know, 537 years ago or um, 30 odd years ago. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's, I just wanted to make that clarification too. So I think also has to do with cultural uh, background. So obviously the way we act towards others and behave has a lot to do with the 
how we were raised by our families uh, and, and, and exposure of friends too. So we pick up those behaviors. And so culturally speaking, it has a big impact. And I know I was raised in a very conservative household, um, very conservative South Asian um, values. But, but again, I think the conservative part is important because there are certain expectations that always come with being in, in such a household. And I, I think in contrast, Andrew, you can share in terms of culturally speaking, which culture influenced your upbringing in the manners that you possess today? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question. Uh, I wouldn't say I grew up in a conservative, conservative household, excuse me. Um, there was a certain element of that, but uh, my mother being born for, uh, in Britain, in England. And um, I think that played a very strong part of it because there is such a strong British background uh, in my culture. And I think that uh, came down through the generations, um, not only with my mother's mother and her entire family, which was British, but my mother's father, uh, who is French Canadian, he um, was also really great at bringing up the children, his children. Uh, to have manners and to have respect. And um, that was extremely uh, important to them. And that was brought into our home as well. On my father's side, um, he came from a farming background. Oh, and uh, yeah, so there was uh, quite a, a good work ethic there. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the work ethic uh, from the farming background at that time, uh, there were um, a set of strong morals and uh, rules and regulations that you follow because you do live your day by a schedule. You get up at a certain time every day and you follow that work ethic and you go through to the end. And with that, you get discipline. Right. And through discipline, you also learn manners. Um, and so I think there's that combination of on one side, you have the, the proper British and on the other side, you just had the the old school discipline and work ethic that mm -hmm. also brought in the manners as well. And wow. uh, both of those were brought into my household as we were growing up, which I thought was a great combination. So we learned discipline and we learned a good work ethic and we learned manners and how to treat people well and to, um, to stick to what you say and what you're going to do. And that includes treating people well. If you're going to, uh, if you expect to be treated a certain way, you treat people the same way. Yeah, it seems like you had quite an influence by two rather two very important parts of manners, and and you you framed it really well in 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 the sense that it is about discipline, and it is about uh, a good ethic, a good work ethic. I mean, I think now we're talking about how we behave internally, so not just externally, not just manners and, and how we treat people, but, but here's the thing. We're going to treat people very similar to how our internal dialogue is and how we view things. So the, the internal ethic discipline comes hand in hand. So if you lack discipline, if you lack work ethic, it's not going to manifest itself outwardly in the opposite way. It's going to be the same way. And, and that sounds like a good combination. And I know, obviously, you know, everyone has their interpretation and society and, and media has interpreted British manners in a certain way. And sometimes, you know, they're, you're right, they can get it to a place where I think some friends told me that they weren't allowed to have their elbows on the table 
you know, at, at dinner table, or there was a very particular way of things being done. Now, how do you feel about that? I, I'm acknowledging the good parts of the manners, but I'm also saying, well, sometimes where do you draw the line of what's more important? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, well, I did grow up, you know, no elbows on the table. Yeah. And I'm still that way. If I put my elbows on the table, I realize it and I say, oh, I got to take those off. Yeah. And uh, so it sticks with you. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's a fine line because what is too strict? What is, uh, what is proper exactly? Um, I don't have any complaints about those little things like the elbows on the table simply because I found it made me more aware. And it made me not get so lax with my manners hmm. uh, or my consideration. I find that, and I'm not saying everything has to be super strict or anything like that, but I think there's something to be said um, about the fine details, about those kinds of small items that it gets you into that mindset to be very aware of what you're doing uh, at all times and even be careful of the little things. Um, and that goes into again, treating other people, because when you take care of those little things, when you're treating other people, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, no, no. I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. When you said that you get a bit lax, I mean, there's another downside to the, the proper, you know, in qu air quotations behavior that would get drilled into one's head. So if they don't do follow through with that, or they feel like they have to be in a certain mode or state of mind. So others can argue, well, you're not being natural. You're not being who you are. Why, why is that a good thing? Right. I mean, aside from consideration, let's talk, we'll talk about that in a second, the, the latter mm -hmm. point that you made, but I'm just going to rewind and, and comment. And I had a question about that. So what do you think of that? Well, that's uh, an excellent point, and I'm not going to deny that at all, because, you know, we want to be natural as human beings also. Um, we don't want to be, uh, what was it, My Fair Lady. Uh, if you've ever <laughs> seen the movie My Fair Lady, where, you know, being taught to be proper, and but that's not who the person was. Right. And, and I can understand that. Uh, you know, you feel more like you're a model, um, and I don't mean supermodel, I mean like a model of behavior. Your, mm -hmm. uh, than you're a human being. Right. And, and that makes a great point. I, for me personally, when I put my elbows on the table and I realize and I take them off, I don't find that's a robotic thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't find like I'm being programmed to do it. I find that's just the way I grew up. And so for me, that's natural right. because I learned it at such an, a young age. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not going to say I'm prim and proper with everything, of course. Um, there's <laughs> no, no way is. I am. I mean, yeah. nobody no, is. No, and you, yeah. you, you've seen me. I mean, yes, I've got manners and I'm polite, but I'm not exactly, you know, my fair lady here. Um, especially, <laughs> that, you know, my voice is a bit standard. too deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just put on a wig yeah. on and a dress. You're good to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think when you are brought up with those, uh, for lack of a better word, ethics, um, you know, to, to be polite, to be considerate, to watch your manners. And that becomes instilled in you, part of, um, it's up to the individual to, mm -hmm. uh, to control that, to see how far they want to go with it. Um, I think just for me, I was saying more than anything, I was glad that there were those small details like the elbows on the table growing up because it just made me more aware. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to control me in terms of being unnatural but it just makes me a lot more sensitive to what my actions are and um, how my manners are mm -hmm. and how they could also impact other people.
the second part of this is obviously impacting other people. How <laughs> we both have a certain expectation, right? Because we're now talking about how we were raised. Those things stick with us. So I'll give you an example. For example, if I am going to, if someone invites me over for dinner, right? I was always told that you never show empty handed, right? You just don't, you don't show empty handed. And I think in growing up, I embodied that too, even though my family barely threw dinner parties, they were, uh, they were far from social. I ended up, I I'm very social and I would throw many dinner parties, obviously pre COVID times. Um, and I, I cook a lot and I'm very giving and generous. And then, but I was also instilled with that expectation that if I'm throwing someone a dinner party and someone shows up, they're going to bring something. And I was surprised at how many people just showed up. And it's not that I was mad at them or angry at them. Those words are too strong. But I, I was a little shocked because I thought, I don't know, I had this expectation. It's almost like a ticket. And I know it shouldn't be that way, but it's just because I was, <laughs> I was raised to, um, to, I don't know, to, to be that way. And that's just one little example. But what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at, let's look at examples, specific examples of what kind of manners are we talking about now? Because I do remember, I recall you saying, nowadays they don't happen, right? And, and I'll give you another example. When you're on the TTC or taking, uh, for those, TTC is Toronto Public Transportation. So if you're taking public transportation, you know, you have your backpacks behind you, right? And they're protruding. And people are sitting on the seats and I've been hit on the face with people's backpacks. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is actually in hindsight, if I got hit on the face, that was pretty comical. But at the moment, it's frustrating. Um, and w- afterwards, there's no apology. So the person who's, who's doing that isn't even aware that they're doing that. And, but on the flip side, this has also happened that someone does that and there's no apology. And that makes, that aggravates me so much because all I'm looking for is a little bit of consideration from somebody to say, I'm sorry. And that's it. And uh, so that's, to me, it's very frustrating. First and foremost, that you're not being considerate to think that, well, people are sitting down. If my bag is 30 pounds and jutting out, giving myself, you know, an extra eight inches or circumference, I better watch out because there's other people crammed into this vehicle. And secondly, how can I be so oblivious that I can't even notice if I smack somebody, whether it's on their body or on their face? That seems to be a big problem, at least for me. <laughs> oh, gosh, you just hit the hammer on the head for me. Here, the head. The, no, wait. The nail, nail on the head. On the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Hammer on the head works, to too. Test my 537-year-old head, yeah. I like hammer um, on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, no, I, 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 I'm so glad you said that because uh, this is my biggest pet peeve by far. Nothing even come close to uh, inconsideration. Um, I have very low tolerance for inconsideration. I really do. Mm-hmm. And inconsideration, there's a difference between consideration and manners. Mm-hmm. Manners you're brought up with consideration is common sense. You know, like you say, to use that example, you're on the subway, you've got a 30-pound backpack. There are um, notices and reminders all over the place. Please take off your backpacks before you get on the subway or the streetcar. People still ignore it. You can't help but to feel the resistance when you hit somebody with it. 
There's mm-hmm. no way you cannot feel that resistance yeah. and to either ignore that or just look at the person like they're in your way. And it's happened yeah. to me many, many times as well to the point where I stopped saying, can you please not do that? And I just shoved the bag out of my face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I relate yeah. so badly. <laughs> well, it, it just, like I say, that's, that's where it's common sense. Yeah. You don't have to be brought up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be, uh, in, that doesn't have to be instilled in you. Mm-hmm. It's just to take consideration of the other people around. Manners are definitely part of that, but I, I do think there there is a, a difference. Manners, you're taught, consideration, common sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, many manners, the root of the, the good manners is to be considerate, right? At the end of the day, uh, it's consideration. Now, of course, to what standards are you being considerate depended on whatever the social norms were in the time. So you, the social norms shift ultimately. So then the expectations shift. So I see what you're saying. I, I seem to, that's a really good point, but I seem to use them interchangeably too. I seem to think that good manners are being considerate. Um, but you're right. Obviously, there's a distinction, right? Because you putting your your elbows on the table isn't going to hurt anybody, right? It's not going to affect anybody. It's going, it's, it's within you. And versus if you're putting your elbows on the table, I don't know where someone's glass was. <laughs> so, right? That's the being considerate. Like, hey, you're, if your elbows need that much room and there's not enough room on the table and someone's glass is there, are you going to like, shove it out of their way or say, can you move that please? So I can put my elbows in. Um, and that, I guess to that, I'm going to talk about manspreading, right? <laughs> or for those not familiar with the term manspreading, I, I've seen women do this too. So it's not just uh, relegated to, to one gender. It's when you're, you're sitting down and you, your legs are so wide, right? And you're obviously in an area where there's a seat next to you, but you're, you seem to need so much crotch space that you're basically impeding or, or reducing the space of the person next to you um, by quite a lot. And this happened to me, I, I was going on a, a winery tour, but then it was a school bus. So we shared this school bus with people and these were adults and, you know, I think university students and, and I was beside this uh, person and they, they're, and I remember on our way, my friend was paired with this person and their legs were spread out and he was just livid, but he wouldn't do anything about it. He would just look at us and be like, can you believe this? This is what I have to deal with. And obviously it was over an hour drive because we were going from, you know, to Niagara. Uh, and on the way back, I was paired with this person and I said, oh no, I'm going to say something. And surprisingly, he didn't do it right away, but when the legs... When, when that did happen, I, I actually, and this person was also asleep. So I woke them up and I said, excuse me, would you mind giving me some space? And they acted pretty startled and they're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And they moved. And I thought, that's good. That's great. And uh, so sometimes there is this, that accountability on uh, the person that's experiencing the inconsideration for them to say something because if you can't, if you're not going to say something, the other person, first and foremost, may have not been <laughs> taught manners, but maybe they aren't even so astute to being considerate <laughs> like like the rest of us are. So perhaps we need to teach them. And part of that means in a polite way, telling them, hey, uh, would you mind doing this because this is bothering me? Um, and I think, you know, that's something that all of us can do, right? 
I, I know I had two things. I saw man spreading and then the response to, to bad, mm-hmm. inconsiderate behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you make a great point. Um, you know, we can always help to educate each other. And of course, there's manners used in that too. It's not just like, hey, close your legs. You're interfering with my space. It's, hey, do you mind please doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the way you approach it, you know even if they are not exactly showing us that they're earning our respect by, you know, impeding on our space or hitting us with their backpack or whatever, uh, or playing their music ridiculously loud, we can approach them, you know, on the side of manners. And uh, then if it doesn't work, then we can shove their backpack or whatever. (laughs) Uh, But I, you know, I I have to admit, um, when I run across inconsideration every day, after a while, you kind of get tired of saying, excuse me, please, do you mind not? Mm-hmm. Right. After a while, you're like, why is it always me that has to do this? And then I start thinking, am I too sensitive? Am I letting things bother me too much that every day I'm coming across people that I'm just kind of shaking my fist at mm-hmm. and saying, Oh my God, where's the consideration? Um, so I don't know about you, but uh, I sometimes question myself and wonder Am I too intolerant or is it just our society that we have a complete void of consideration to the point where, yeah, I think I'm pretty justified to get frustrated when it's all around me. I definitely relate to that. I've asked myself the same question many times and you're right. It's, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I wonder that too, is it me? Am I the one that doesn't belong? Am I the wrong one here? Am I the one that's forcing like, but then I go back to, no, being considerate is not wrong. <laughs> what I'm asking is to be a decent human being, <laughs> I think. And mm-hmm. for those that watch Seinfeld, there's all these scenes where sometimes they, they, they'll have this, their, their dialogue and they'll say, we live in a society. <laughs> and then they go, whatever it is that they're frustrating about, <laughs> frustrated about. But I, I do... I do relate to that a lot. And, and I've had to ask, tell myself that, you know what? No, it's not me. Because what I'm asking is for simply for someone to look outside of them. And I wonder that too, to your point, what's going on culturally? Why are people so devoid of, uh, of, of empathy? I don't know, of, of, of consideration. Why are those two things seeming less and less common as I grow up? And I know maybe it's obviously my my maturity, my behavior. So I know age has something to do with it. But actually, even when I was a teenager, even when I was young, I would get equally frustrated. <laughs> so to, in my defense, for those saying that it's an age thing, I was like this for as long as I remember. I w- I, my consideration did not stem from you know me becoming an adult. Surely I'll admit that Obviously, I'm going to be more considerate through the wisdom and life experience that age gives us. But at the same time, as you mentioned, Andrew, to be considerate is still to be a decent, it's to be considerate. It's, it's different than certain manners. So or why do we think that it's meant so many people aren't being considerate? And I'm going to start with maybe one potential theory I have. And, and it's that we're just fit, living in a culture, in a very narcissistic culture, where everything's about me, 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 and um, nothing has uh, is is more reflective of that than our social media channel, because all it is about look at me, look at me, look at me, look at my clothes, look at my makeup, look at my fashion, look at my, look at how I spend thousands of dollars on these products that may or may not work. Look at me unboxing this. So everything is attention seems to be the new currency and all the attentions 
attention is focused inward. Even the word social media kind of, I don't even think it's true because it's not social. <laughs> it's so monetary. Every, your attention is monetized. And I, I did write an article on my blog on this too. And so I'm, I'm repeating some of those points. It's funny that we, we think that we're engaging. The, even the engagement in our online world, and many of us are spending a considerable amount of time online than we are in person. I mean, for example, um, she's like my baby sister. <laughs> she's, she's adorable. It's my mother's neighbor's daughter. I basically grew up with her like since she was a wee baby. And she's seven now. And when she was four, she was looking at iPad and phone, looking at YouTube videos. And I'm hearing from other parents too. And I'm seeing that there's little kids are online. So I don't think it, and you have to be a rocket scientist to understand that our upbringing is changing and we're spending a lot of time online. And if online is selling, 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 me, 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 it's like the advertiser's dream, then we're missing out on all those important conversations about consideration, about manners that I believe used to happen with the lack of uh, technology in the past. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask what your thoughts were about what do you think the reason is that consideration is is such a lost art nowadays. And I'm I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm glad you answered this and said that we're in such a narcissistic society. Um, and the phrase that you used where uh, attention is the new uh, uh, monetary uh, <laughs> currency. substitute. <laughs> yeah. Currency, yeah. That was just great because I think that, that sums it up really well. It is a very narcissistic society. Is it about me, 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 me? And I remember, again, being 537, partially <laughs> in the 1980s, uh, as one of the many decades I've seen, um, they used to call that the, uh, the me decade. Mm -hmm. And um, going through that myself, I thought, I, I, don't, I didn't really see it as the me decade. Uh, when we get into the 2000s, it's like, okay, now we're in the me generation. Mm -hmm. This is the me time, and it's getting worse and worse. And I think you're right, it is social media where it's all about look at me look what i'm doing i mean how many youtube channels are there about as you said people just unboxing things that they've ordered from amazon or, yeah. or what have you uh it's like who who cares really uh, <laughs> i really don't want to watch 20 minute video of you unpacking something um i can do that with my family at christmas time <laughs> i can watch you know three or four people unpacking things at christmas in about 20 minutes and that's more enjoyable um you know and it's also about how many likes you get oh right right uh, on, you know on instagram or whatever it is yeah. and if you remember when facebook first came out there were people who would say yeah i've got over a thousand friends on facebook and you say why <laughs> yeah why why do you need a thousand friends on facebook and they're like oh i don't even know most of them but they're on my facebook anyway and again it's all about you know attention look what i look what i've got look at people looking at my pictures or what have you Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've said this in a previous podcast that we've done today uh, before. Um, I think the role models that we have in our society now uh, add to the narcissistic uh, mentality that we have because a lot of the people that we look up to are very much about me, 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 and how much money and how much power I can get. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, putting, portraying this image that they're, you know, they're rebels and they're, they're all cool. They're too good for everybody else and all this. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think that helps either, especially when we see them splashed all over social media and, and you're right. Social media now are 
the primary caregivers for children. I've seen it like you have kids going right down to two years old. Uh, they're walking around all day with a, an iPad in their hands. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know people who have kids who are not even in double digits yet and their whole life is their, their devices. And uh, you can see actually the narcissism growing in them uh, because it's all about, oh, look what I did on Instagram and I've got this many followers and posting everything they do on Instagram. And, uh, you know, when you post a piece of the cake that you're eating uh, on, on social media, it's like, well, why? What's the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what do, what do you hope to gain from this? Um, but again, it's all about, look what I did today. I ate a piece of cake. Wow. I, I, nobody else has done that today. You know, congratulations. <laughs> Where's the Guinness Book of World Records? <laughs> you know? um, yeah, it, it's very... Sorry, neat. I shouldn't be so sarcastic. But. <laughs> no, it's hilarious. I, please be yourself. I, I would huh. only want you to be yourself. Okay, I'm going to use another example. When what hap- what ends up happening is when you're fix when you're around such a in a subculture a culture where everything is about you right what do mm. i need what do i get what makes me look prettier what makes me smell good what makes my life better even this whole health and wellness I- industry it's about money right it's about all these skincare products and whatever whatever so consequently i'm thinking the way you act with others now it's about what can you do for me how does this benefit me? And I'm thinking growing up and, you know, when you're learning about networking, right. And you're talking about strategies to, uh, to, to get what you want, whether this is in a personal context or it's in a professional context. And this lack of consideration plays as well, because people then it's like everyone like vultures, right? It's like waiting to just get from you, exhaust your energy and give you nothing in return. And that's where I have a problem because by nature, I'm such a giving person. And I, my mistake is one of the things that I, I want to, I need to work on is I, I don't often stand up for myself and be assertive, which I'm doing now, actually, through a lot of hard work and knowledge and practice, I'm, I'm better at that. But in the beginning, it was just exhausting to the point where I had to make a spreadsheet of people I knew and my relationship with them and, and actually document, okay, why am I feeling exhausted? And I had to just eliminate a few rows and then say, you know what, this, I don't need these kinds of relationships. It's, it's funny when that, that crosses the professional realm, right? Because then you're like, you grow up and then you start embodying the same things as in you just ask, ask, ask. And, and I have to now sometimes in my professional life, correct people and say, you know what, networking is about giving too. It's not about you getting everything out of someone. You have to offer your services to, you have to help them. And I think personally, many of us have probably felt that too by our friends that network with us, right? And it's take, take, take. But when it's time for you to ask, sometimes people disappear. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then you're like, wow, you ask me a question. I'll spend 10 minutes looking for the answer online or 15. I ask you a question and I'll get, I don't know, maybe, meh, oh like those one word answers on text. And I'm thinking, oh, and speaking of text, or here's one of my other pet peeves is, I promise is the last point. I'm just going rambling now. Um, But the last point that I wanted to make in terms of this give and take is I've poured my heart out writing really beautiful texts. 
And I'm not saying I'm looking at Shakespeare, listening to the sonnets and crafting my drafts. I mean, I just write a text where I, I literally say, uh, I, I don't use my words frivolously. You know, when I say to someone, I love you, thank you, that was really near and dear to my heart. And I, I really express myself and the response I get, I get that very straightforward response. And I've done that and, and it hurts hurt me. It's where we're talking online and, or on text and I, I, I pour my heart out and I don't get any acknowledgement of what I said. To me, that's just rude. That's really inconsiderate. And, inconsiderate. And, and I think it also goes into manners, right? If someone asks you a question in real time or tells you all of this, are you, are you just going to be silent and just answer that, that technical question that they gave you and not mention any of the, acknowledge even any of the things that were said? So I've said a lot. <laughs> I'm waiting for your commentary or your response. No, that's okay. No, no, no. I, I, I love when you, you bring up so many different points because um, you have so much to share and so many good uh, questions to ask and so many great things to bring up to explore. So please feel free to ramble as long as you want. I love it. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, 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 can, uh, I can attest to the fact that you do write very long and beautiful texts for sure. Um, I, I hope that the ones I send in response uh, uh, are, um, are worthy. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no, no, it has nothing to know. It's not you. It's no, not you. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I know sometimes I don't write, I'll do a voice message instead. But yeah. Uh, but no, I can attest to the fact that you do spend time and write very beautiful words in your, your text. And I always appreciate that because I'm the same way. Um, for example, you send an email, either personal or work, and they come back and they've addressed maybe one thing that you've asked and the rest they've completely ignored. And you wonder, did you even read the email? Right. Um, <laughs> and, and then you're saying, well, why did I spend 15 minutes writing this and making sure all the wording was right and I'm asking you everything is clear and everything? Um, so I, I get that. Um, mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit to what you were saying about um, lack of consideration and um, the narcissistic society. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's one, it's one thing to say that we're in a narcissistic society, but at the other, uh, on the other hand, we're completely numb to other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And I don't think necessarily narcissism and lack of concern for other people go hand in hand all the time. I mean, I've known of some course. narcissistic people who are about themselves, but who still take the time to think about other people on the rare occasion when they're not thinking about themselves. <laughs> But, but to the point where we're being inconsiderate, where we're not even taking any notice of the people around us or how our actions are reflecting them. Right. Where do you think, uh, I mean, we know that narcissism in our society is impacting that, but where do you think the lack of concern is for other people and their feelings and their space and their uh, possessions and what have you has come from? Uh, where do you think that part of it uh, is is falling apart what do you think the cause of that is hmm i'm thinking of a venn diagram or not even a venn diagram let's just start with a circle if you imagine a circle and that circle is my relationships right within our relationships you divide that circle up now so there's a relationship we have with ourselves there's a relationship we have with our um that that are intimate that there are relationships that we have that are professional. There's a relationship we have that are friendships and family. So, and these obviously aren't all relationships, but 
I'm thinking if, if, if the person has allocated X amount of energy and thought into various relationships around them, um, we are social beings. And as such, I believe it's up to us to educate ourselves to know how to interact with others, to know how to maintain, nourish, nurture these relationships, not just, and create them, right? So in terms of professional and friendships, these are created. And some people create their, you know, chosen family and so forth. And I relate to that too. That's a different topic because my family's like, no, that doesn't exist. Anyway, um, so within that circle, if that's you, you have all these relationships that you have to now juggle. And if you are growing up in a in a world where uh, where all the relationships, you're being told that it's about you, 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 you. How can you make yourself healthy, better, uh, more sexier, whatever, by this, by that. And you're bombarded where it's almost like normal for everyone to have a marketing page and to document their journeys. I feel that that automatically takes away from those other relationships because now in that little pie chart, you is growing and growing and growing. And you has grown to the point where maybe it's three quarters of the pie chart and everything else is squished. So I believe that maybe we have a limited capacity. Uh, And I think obviously, you know, we're not intellectually speaking, not everyone is going to have the same level of intelligence where they can fragment themselves and say, whoa, whoa, hold on, I I need to focus on these other relationships. It takes a certain level of intelligence for you to know that you need to improve yourself in XYZ area, right? And that entails being open to feedback, being open to criticism. How do we get criticism? We get them when there's conflict in a relationship. If I'm not even investing my time in a relationship, if I'm avoiding any conflict, if I'm not even open to any criticism or feedback, I'm going to just block, delete, move on, find new friends. These are toxic. I'm essentially setting a standard for myself where I'm not going to improve my relationships with others at all because everything is going to be determined by my narcissism in terms of how it benefits me. So I I think it's that automatic reaction where I'm prioritizing myself so much to the point that I'm neglecting other relationships and that my life should be comprised of other relationships because we're social beings. I'm already squishing so much out of it and I'm not even practicing. And love is a skill. To be social is a skill to be considerate is, is part of being social, right? I, in order to understand, to survive, to be with other people, I need to know how to interact with them, to build trusting bonds, to resolve conflicts and problems. And if I'm not even playing in that arena, I'm never going to learn from that. So I think it's a lack of, lack of experience because we're so focused on me that we cut people out because you can find friends online anywhere. I can go to Redden and talk to a forum where people, everyone will agree with what I'm saying because I'm at a thread that specifically talks about my problem. And I need, I can just avoid having those boring conversations with so-and-so, right? Because so, and so the learning never happens. So I, I believe that it's a lack of learning that skill, the, learning the social skills, which then leads you to be, um, ignorant of them and therefore inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Um, and that, that sounds like we're talking about direct relationships, people who are in our life already. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the lack of concern for just the general public? Um, you know, are, 
behaviors when they are inconsiderate they can affect other people so for example i used to uh when i did take the ttc and i used to get off the subway um at the station that was close to my home i used to hate it because mm -hmm. there'd be people flying down the stairs and around the corner trying to catch the subway mm -hmm. before it took off on them and i mean they came full throttle and it was just right around that corner right. and they didn't even think about the fact that there are other people there. They could be running over a child. They could be running over an elderly person, somebody with a disability, um, or just anyone in general. Um, mm. And it happened to me several times where people came flying around the corner and they either ran into me or fortunately I was uh, aware enough to know that this could happen and have right. my ears perked up. <laughs> so you dodge them. <laughs> uh, so you dodge them, right? Yeah. But even sometimes you don't have a chance because it's just right there in your face as they hit the, that corner. Um, or as you say, you know, people hitting you with the uh, um, uh, the backpacks or mm -hmm. whatever the case. Um, our actions affect the people around us. And every day when you look outside, you just see more and more people doing things that are affecting other people and without a care in the world. Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical thing. It can right. be just an emotional thing or it can be just... Um, just for example, um, I know I was visiting somebody the other day and they live in a, um, a complex mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to look around and say, okay, people live here. Right. And uh, quite often, uh, you know, someone will come in with their, their car and they'll park in front and they have their car stereo just booming, right. booming in the middle of the day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, whatever. And they've got it running, running as they're standing outside chatting with their friend or whatever. And, I, I often think, do you not realize that maybe people are sleeping because they have to work nights mm -hmm. or maybe there's somebody inside of the migraine, maybe a baby is sleeping, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or just the fact that, you know, this is somebody's weekend and do you really think they want to hear boom, 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 you know, uh, to the point where the, 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 <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know. I don't listen to them, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh that could take us in a different direction, please. <laughs> I'm but sorry. I, 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 no, it's okay. Um, I think it's just the point that um, even though we don't think that our actions or what we're doing is really that impactful to other people, we don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it's like for other people. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'm not a religious person. I didn't grow up in a religious family, but I always do go back to. Um, I think it's just a standard of life. I don't think it has to be a religious or a spiritual thing. Going back to the Bible where it says, do unto others as you'd have done unto you, which mm -hmm. basically means treat others how you want to be treated yourself. Right. Somewhere along the way, we have completely lost that. Hmm. And I struggle with that every day, wondering what happened. Why is that so, it's such a hard concept to grab? And you know, going back to the narcissistic society, that's part of it. But we never take that step back to think, well, why are we doing this to other people when we know we don't want to be treated this way ourselves? Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess, where that question was I had earlier about there's one thing to be narcissistic. There's another thing to be numb to other people and their feelings hmm. and uh, how we are impacting them. I, to answer your question in terms of you know, close relationships and how does it impact what about others, right? What about others we see on the street, like others, society in general? 
And you, you brought up some really good points and I was taking notes. So I don't forget in terms of what I wanted to say to comment um, what you're saying. The, the subway example, is just a classic, right? It's a classic example when someone knocks you down. It's actually one of my favorite songs. Uh, it's called New York. I love it when you're mean. It's by Julian Villard. And this guy is singing about just all the terrible things in New York, but he's saying, I love it. Mm. One of the lines is taking a seven train, right? After uh, those who've been in New York, who live in New York, know that that's a very busy train for rush hour. You know, he's like, you know, you're stuck there like a can of sardine. You're knocking old ladies down just to make it home alive. Like he says that. That's obviously not what the song is about. Um, but it reminded me of that. And And well, why do we have such disregard for others uh, we don't even have a deep relationship with them but but why where does that ex- where does that numbness come from mm-hmm. uh, I, I personally I, I attribute it to love I attribute it to a lack of love because if you know that love if you acknowledge if one acknowledges that love is a social skill to love is also to have love for others and the world and the earth and to know that everything is connected, to bring back, you know, some of uh, some wisdom from religion, like you mentioned too, right? There's in Buddhism, you have dependent origination. My friend Jeremy wrote a fantastic article. It's on the blog. If you're wondering about Buddhist concepts, he titled it in dealing with challenging times. But one of them that struck out was, was that the, the sense that we're all connected, right? If I do this thing wrong, it's going to manifest in other ways. Everything is connected. So therefore, like I'm a part of, I don't know, this water bottle as much as a water bottle is part of me because somebody created this. Somebody got paid for this business. You know what I mean? If That's my way of thinking of the interconnectedness. Um, oh, another show that was brilliant was Dirk Gently uh, that talks about um, interconnectedness. <laughs> I'm, I'm veering off topic. I think it's love. It's a lack of love. We're desperately um, struggling to how to love. And the versions of love that we have are very egoistic because they all concern us or our chosen partner, right? Uh, Aside, outside from that, if it's your child, your family, someone you care about, that's where we love. But really to really truly love Love is the love that I have for a higher power, a higher being. Love is the love that I have outside of myself, of the environment, of people around me that I don't even know. Because, and only then, if I have that kind of love, I will react accordingly. And I'm reading this fantastic book by Eric Fromm, um, The Art of Loving. And that's what I'm learning because he's kind of breaking down and saying, love is an art. You have to learn. It's a skill. And it's not just... You know, there's different types of love that he looks at. The love, you know, motherly love, fatherly love, brotherly love. And that brotherly is the one for other people, right? Uh, erotic love being the, the love that's outside of me, as in when two people connect. And not necessarily, not just sexual. But but in, in reading this book, I realized, wow, like for me to have genuine love, to be a loving person, I would have to be considerate. That's one of a very pure form of love, right? If I live and breathe love, if love is important to me, then it's going to show in every action that I have. And part of that action is I'm going to think the world is one. I'm going to think twice before I litter, right? I'm going to think twice before I buy clothes and then donate them right away, right? How many of us keep buying and buying and there's a landfill issue with, with, uh, 
I think the sustainability of, of the clothes that we, the, the amount of material we consume, right? And when we donate, what do we donate? Do we ever donate things we really love? Or we donate things that are like, ah, I don't need this. It's kind of stained. Eh, it's kind of weird. But so I think it, it is, it boils down to, it sounds like a really cheesy cliche answer, but at the same time, I think it's a very important topic which I would like to do a separate podcast on its own, reviewing Eric Fromm's work because it's taught me so much. Um, but really, I'm learning that, yeah, it is about love. And if you think that your love is relegated to your intimate relationship, then that's egoistic love. Because for you to, to love, to actually truly know how to love, you would exhibit that in, in every action that you have because you know that everything is connected and that your love is going to be uh, going to have an impact on others. Does that does that make sense? Anyway, that's that's my journey. That's my take uh, on the on the issue. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I have to tell you, that was probably one of the most beautiful answers I've ever heard. But at oh. the same, one of the saddest, uh, <laughs> because I, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting it to come down to uh, this this beautiful answer about how it's all about love. Uh, but at the same time, it makes me a bit sad because I think with all the inconsideration and uh, narcissism in this world and the lack of consideration that we use in treating each other, um, it makes me think, oh my God, where's all the love? Doesn't, doesn't anybody have the right kind of love in their life? that uh, or appreciation for it yeah that's just uh it's beautiful but sad at the same time but what a great answer really i, I think you said you have some other notes yeah <laughs> but before you get into your other notes i do have no, another no, question I actually, for you these are all of them <laughs> that's all okay good yeah, um, i don't mean good i don't mean good like it's about time <laughs> no i don't mean that um what i mean is um i guess how do we fix it are we so far gone in our society now? We talked about uh, social media and our uh, influences and the narcissism that we have and the lack of understanding of love and the um, absence of, of manners in our households as we're growing up every day. Um, I mean, we see it every day. You know, I mean, we go to dinner with a friend and everyone's pulling out their phones. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that that's just one of the, worst case of bad manners i've ever seen in my life <laughs> exactly. uh, but it's 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 so common nowadays right it's all pull out your phone pull out your phone um Haven't so with all this in mind part of our skeletal system like skeletal yeah system. well our arms now come on i know <laughs> i know i know <laughs> they're I know. the anatomy they're the new anatomy <laughs> I know. I saw an ultrasound the other day, and the baby had a, a, a phone in his hand already in the womb. So uh, <laughs> it's just natural; it's there. Uh, um, God knows what they were putting on Instagram, though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> today, I lay, yeah, today I was curled up in my mother's fetus. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. Same thing. How many likes can I get on this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, look how much my umbilical cord grew today. Um, <laughs> These anyway, but, stem cells. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, this is horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, what people must be thinking right now. Um, I'm sure I guess. I, I, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I guess the question is where does it all end, or can it be revived? Can we fix it? Can there be some sort of 
savior, so to speak, to bring consideration and manners back into the forefront so that we are treating each other well again and that we are uh, paying attention to our presentation and what we're doing and how our actions and reactions do affect other people. Are we too far gone or is there a way that we can fix this? One word, the Messiah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought um, your one word was going to be no. <laughs> um, I mean, I am a realist. Uh, I, I'm not. <laughs> I, you could be a cynic too. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, as we wrap up this podcast, I mean, the last part of it is, well, where do we go from here? How do you fix it, right? We've aired out our grievances and potentially deliberated on what could be the cause. and But moving forward, what, what does one do? I think at the end of the day, it's important for us to understand that no one's going to come into our lives and drag us and teach us these things. We're going to have to choose and prioritize to learn uh, social skills. And in the midst of, in the advent of technology, and I I sound like an anti-technology, but I'm not. I actually, I think social media has some great uses, so forth. I just don't think the name suits it anymore. It's not social. It should be called, I don't know, money media, but, um, or like me media. So anyway, I do feel that all of us have this responsibility and accountability. We owe it to ourselves to educate ourselves on social skills. If our parents haven't taught it to us, if our parents had sad or different lifestyles, and as a result, that love never reached us. And we we obviously are expressing ourselves differently and our interpretation of the world is different. It becomes the onus is on us to learn how to love. And part of that could come with therapy, that could come with self-improvement, but self-improvement, not from an egotistic sense, you know, because ironically, the self-improvement industry is pretty self-involved, right? When you improve yourself, you're creating a better society because we, we, are, we know how to act well with others. But what I think where the lack of the missing piece is that, that acting well with others. So I think we have an onus on ourselves. Well, how can I make myself a better communicator, a better uh, a person who, who views love differently? So I need accountability and responsibility. I need to stand up for my own self, not wait for someone to teach me. I need to look at those resources myself and learn. And only then, and if I prioritize that time, right? So I need to dedicate whatever precious time I have to learn and improve. So just like, let's say, for example, if uh, I've gained 30 pounds and I'm going to say, well, I got to lose weight. I got to lose weight. I'm going to look at that as a problem and I'm going to dedicate that time to lose weight, right? Because I want to look good and fit into my clothes, blah, blah, blah. This is just a hypothetical scenario. Now, if obviously you're, you're self-serving because you know that this is going to benefit you, I think we need to sometimes separate from ourselves and understand that it's not just about us. Our survival is dependent uh, around how we treat the earth, the environment, the people, animals, everybody. And how do I now learn that skill that may not directly benefit me, but it's going to indirectly absolutely have a huge impact. So, and, and am I going to dedicate that time? Because it's, it's again, my, the results aren't going to be in a snap of a finger. I'm going to have to just be disciplined enough going back to what you said earlier, Andrew, that discipline, that work ethic. Am I going to take time out of my day to educate myself 
And for those that are wondering, I mean, Alain de Botton has some wonderful videos. It's, he's, it's called The School of Life. You know, he has his own little, like, I guess, books and, and videos. And they're, they're on YouTube where he's talking about emotional intelligence. And he, I don't agree with everything the guy says, but a lot of it is really beautiful. Uh, you know, he combines his, his interpretation of philosophy and, and kind of presents itself in teaching others how to be considerate too, because it's all about uh, emotional intelligence. So that's one area I'm, I'm doing something. I think, I believe, I think everyone can benefit from reading Eric Fromm's The Art of Loving because love concerns all of us. Uh, but yet we have the most diluted, unrealistic, toxic um, expectations and knowledge of what love looks like and it should look like. So I think it's up to us now to seek and learn and be disciplined enough to know that it's not going to benefit me immediately, but it's going to change my life and the life of others. Mm-hmm. Very well said. And uh, to add on to that, I think it's also up to us who were brought up in environments where manners and consideration were very important to us is that we just have to keep doing what we're doing and hope that other people learn from that without actually pointing a finger and saying, you should be more polite. We can just be the example. Um, I've had many people in my life tell me, oh my God, Andrew, you're way too polite, which by the way, what the hell does that mean? You're too polite. There's no <laughs> such thing. Uh, um, I'd be too polite than whatever the hell they are. Right. But um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is uh, I don't preach it to anybody. I don't, say you know you need to say please and thank you you need to do this that or the other i just do what i do and hope that others may learn from that and not saying that i'm a role model or anything like that but i would hope that by showing manners and being considerate number one other people are being treated properly Mm -hmm. right they know that they're being taken into consideration and also, I mean, of course, I do it for myself because this is the way I was brought up. This is the way I believe I should be. And I want to be polite and I want to have manners and I want to treat people well. But I would hope that other people could, could learn from that as well, just as I hope to learn from others and their reactions. And again, I'm not saying I'm a beacon of <laughs> politeness <laughs> or manners or anything like that. But I think when you do exhibit those traits rather than beat it into other people's heads and say, you know, I think you should be this or that. I think you just have to keep doing what you're doing and hope others can learn from it. Mm-hmm. And um, that will help them example. to grow a little bit too. And uh, I'm, I'm along with you. I mean, I probably am not as big of a fan of social media as you are. Uh, I do think it's, there's a lot of great things out of it. I think it's also very poison in many ways. Mm-hmm. I love that you called it though um, money media or me media. <laughs> um, after all, what are the first two letters in media? Yeah. <laughs> True. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just acknowledging that yes, it has benefits for businesses and so forth, but I don't think it's very, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the way it's being used. Um, I think the only mm-hmm. time um, Brandon Stranton, uh, the creator of Humans of New York, right? He's he's an interesting example of a guy who used a platform whereby instead of being about me, it became about other people, right? And he started sharing stories. So I think that's a beautiful thing. That's kind of like a dent that he was going against the best practices. 
and in, in, in light, enlightening others of others. And he gets enormous response because we don't see that on social media, right? We don't talk about the problems, the bad things and, and other people. So I mean, I have to give it to him to, to, to kind of try to change that a bit. And I don't know if that was intentional. It just happened. And he acknowledges that, that that's how it happened. So I really do admire uh, Brandon in that uh, from Humans of New York. Credit goes to him. But anyway, but but yeah, I, I struggle with social media. Oh my goodness, I struggle. I, mm-hmm. I, and, but to add to your point, I just, I think we do have a responsibility. I don't need to, we don't need to be preaching, but I do think there is something, leading by example is excellent. And I, I agree with you. At the same time, in addition to that, I think there is some onus in us to teach others too, which can be exhausting, but it, I feel like it's, it's the only way if if I teach others that, you know what, this is, this is how I feel when you do this. And perhaps another response for you could be this one. Right. And, and it's all in my language. Instead of saying, you're a jerk, you're mean. Uh, I could be saying, you know, when you said this, it, it really hurt my feelings. It made me feel useless. And I think the wording you chose uh, could have been a bit better. Perhaps instead of saying this, you could have said that. So there is a way that you could do it very um, articulately and, and politely. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and the wording is very important. You know, in the helping profession that we're both in, mm-hmm. we do learn about the you statements and the I statements, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just exemplified that brilliantly there is when this happens, I feel this. Mm-hmm. Or when I was given this message, this is how I felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than, as you say, come with them with a you statement, automatically the defense goes up, the ears get closed, and it's like mm-hmm. you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great point is that, you know, we can't teach without being preachy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my preference is mostly to learn, lead by example, so to speak. And again, I'm not saying I'm a beacon, uh, <laughs> but don't, don't, get, don't get me wrong there. Um, because I think I'm, I'm better doing it that way than I am trying to teach verbally. But I think verbal teaching is very important. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. So thank you for adding that. Thank you. And thank you for being so considerate. I can say that about you. I mean, of course, we're not all perfect and, and excellent in our ways, but, but really knowing you, Andrew, has been um, incredible. And in, it's just knowing that there are people like you out there that are polite, that are considerate, that are kind. Um, the way you show love for your friends. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. So thank you for being you. And I hope that you don't get so exhausted that, that you become numb <laughs> and part of the zombie crowd. I, I please oh. keep doing what you're doing. So that's all I wanted to say. Oh, well, thank you. That's just incredibly sweet. Um, I really appreciate that. And, and I can say the same about you. You have so much love for not just your friends and family, but just for people in, in general. And um, hence the reason why you do the wonderful things you do, like your, uh, your, your podcast and your website. Uh, it's not a me, me, me thing. It's all about um, helping others to develop their wellness and their understanding and their learnings. And um, this is becoming a very much a love fest here with good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, with good reason. I think all... <laughs> I guess but, it is. Well, we were appreciating yeah. and acknowledging. I think, again, something that we don't see, we don't hear. Um, and in, in light of the consideration, it has to come from love, right? I think that's yes. one of the prof- 
at least one of the things that I believe in that you, know, you seem to agree with, but by all means disagree. But um, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I promise you, I will never ever become one of those uh, zombies that you alluded <laughs> to. Um, I've gone through my entire life with things like you know I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke. I, you know, I I I pay attention to my manners and my consideration, and I've had people try to wane me away from those beliefs, and it's never worked in all my 537 years. So uh, <laughs> I am very proud to say that I, I will do me. I will stay <laughs> who I am, and no one's going to change that. And, and I hope the same for you as well, and also to everyone else, uh, you. whoever you are, be who you are. You know, it, it reminded me of uh, this, this, you know, Spice Girls back in the day. They're like, they, they got them to say on much music, be like, be who you want to be on much music. Oh, good Lord. Did I just quote the Spice Girls? Is that what you're saying? Be who you are. Okay, I think I'm going to go bury my head in the sand somewhere. <laughs> but it's a good message. Hey, hey, if you're Spice Girl fans, um, you know, it, it's the same thing that Andrew said and that, you know, Melanie said back in the day. It's just... I think it, it it is about authenticity. It's about being yourself and not being so self-deprecating or, or thinking that, oh no, I'm so lost. And then you don't have that self-love. Oh, that was a big thing. Self-love, right? Let's play on our strengths, seek um, to improve ourselves, lead by example. And hopefully what we do uh, will inevitably make a difference in the lives of others. So. Yes, yes. And uh, with that being said, I just want to close by saying, uh, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Thank you so much for the uh, the amazing music over all these years. Uh, you'll never know how much joy you brought to so many millions of people. Thank you. Uh, have a wonderful day. And thanks for joining. Thank you. So you can find this podcast on my website at www.aartysana.com. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and a whole list of other podcast subscribers. Thank you for joining in and have a great one.